Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. And today joining me is Brian Spector. He is the CEO at Credo. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. I'm ready to find out more about Credo. So can you go ahead and start us off with who you guys are and what you do? Sure. Okay. So we are a um, crypto company that is, and uh, we're in the payment space for telecommunications. And we're taking the expertise that we've uh developed over the last four or five years in building out a set of technology that effectively puts the user in charge of their own identity attribute disclosure. So if you kind of hear a lot about what's going on in the news cycle right now about uh, Facebook and a lot of the other tech companies that are sort of centralizing and, and storing identity attributes about their users, about four or five years ago, the company went on a journey and was a little ahead of its time, recognizing that um, at some point, uh, things like GDPR were going to come into for and force uh, a new reorganization or a new architecture in the way that um, user identity information had to be disclosed, namely that it was probably going to be done on a mobile and it was going to probably be done or forced to be done um, utilizing a user's consent. So 
essentially you're only going to learn about my address or my email address if I enable you to do that and I'll have to actually be involved in that process. So the company over the last couple of years has been building up that suite of technology and then we took our expertise in that and decided well, being crypto guys and watching sort of the rise of cryptocurrencies come about, we realized that the best way to get that technology out into the hands of the wider uh, public at large was to actually make it a core component of a, a cryptocurrency design for mobiles, putting kind of a mobile-centric uh, design philosophy around it, and push those identity attributes down into mobile wallets. So that's what Credo has been working on, and we have now announced the cryptocurrency portion of that, which is called Credo Coin, Q-R-E-D-O-C-O-I-N.org. Uh, and you can go and find out information there. And we've just actually been uh, selected as the finalist at the Telecommunications Council uh, Best Innovative Startup Award. Uh, we're selected out of hundreds of finalists for Credo Coin, and um, We'll be on stage May 22nd uh, doing our 10-minute uh, pitch uh, and competing against the 10 other finalists uh, for the best telecommunications startup for 2018. So we're pretty excited okay. about it. It seems to be meeting with a lot of um, excitement across the telco space. Absolutely. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, all right. So, let's, so do you, you make the hard wallets? Am I understanding that correctly? Or are you just making the, the software that goes into them? No, we're just making the software that goes into these mobile wallets. But the backbone of, of what all of this is, it's basically a, a payments platform. So if you think about at the first stage of what needs to happen, if, um, if you recognize how the, the telecom industry has grown up, essentially they're used to working together, even though they compete very hard against each other, telecommunications players like BT and AT&T and T-Mobile and Deutsche Telekom. Um, what they've done over the last 30 or 40 years is that they've managed to work together on various standards that make their telecommunications services interoperable. And that's why organizations like the GSMA exist. So for a telecommunications provider, they've already worked together to do things like create the SS, SS7 network, which allows us to send SMS messages back and forth um, across the world to various different people on various carriers and across borders. But unfortunately, the telecommunications industry actually never built a payments rail or a payments network that acts like the SWIFT network does for banking. So what we realized was there was an opportunity for us to come in and actually build that neutral third-party payment rail using a cryptocurrency design that was post-quantum secure, but also really was designed about around a smartphone utilization and smartphone hardware. So that's what we've done. We've taken all of that user identity attribute security stuff that we've done that goes into a mobile app. But then we've also now created this cryptocurrency architecture that we hope will wire up all the global telecoms uh, within a short matter of time. So sending money across borders and across telecoms will be easy as just typing out an SMS. Wow. Well, that would be very useful, I think, with this rise that we're seeing in cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. We hope so. If you think about it, I mean, one of the ways I always go and describe it is um, I live in the UK and my uh, my family's from Arizona, but wouldn't it be nice if I could just wake up in the morning and if I needed to send my mom some money, I could just type into my uh, SMS chat window, send mom 500 pounds. 
And what ought to happen is that 500 pounds ought to be deducted out by Vodafone out of my HSBC account. AT&T ought to receive it, turn it into dollars and stick it into my mom's Wells Fargo account. Now, now that I've said that, doesn't it make sense that that capability ought to exist already? Oh, absolutely. I mean, everyone wants that. <laughs> and it's kind of amazing that it doesn't exist already. You sort of, when I say that to people, they're like, good God, you know, it it actually doesn't really make sense why that hole in the market hasn't been filled. And the reason for it is, is because telecoms never went and built their own third-party payment rail, like they built their own SS7 network, which is the, what the name of the network is called, that sends SMS messages around the globe. So that's what we're trying to do in a nutshell. Absolutely. And especially with families, families are always sending, you know, funds back and forth, or if there's an emergency or whatnot, this is this is some technology that definitely has a place in our world. Um, what have you going in this project? You know, what are some of the, the roadblocks? Are you realizing maybe why they didn't create this until now? <laughs> what are some of your biggest challenges? Yeah, well, I mean, it's not really technical. It's actually um, regulatory and and uh, and governmental mm, because paperwork. whenever yeah, uh, it's that's the hard stuff. But is that actually where um, technically we could also provide the most value? So if anytime you're moving money around the globe or even money between um, folks who live down the street, um, you become a money transmitter. And in most uh, first world uh, countries, they have specific rules about KYC, AML, know your customer, strongly authenticated identities, so that they don't want to actually um, aid and abet criminals effectively. And this is why you're also mm -hmm. seeing cryptocurrencies getting hit with this huge drumbeat of regulation right now is because uh, the authorities at large are recognizing that Bitcoin can be used and a lot of cryptocurrencies, particularly like Monero, can be used um, for uh, facilitating criminal activity. So that's really what you've got to pay attention to when you're talking about moving an industry into uh, financial services, like we're trying to do with the telecoms. So part of that design ethos that we have to reflect in, in the way that we build this cryptocurrency has to make sure that actually every identity that comes on into the cryptocurrency has to be strongly authenticated and validated which is a, a complete switch in the way that um, people usually think about cryptocurrencies. Everybody you know, sort of says, well, we want to be as completely as anonymous. CredoCoin is the exact opposite of that. You actually can't use CredoCoin, the cryptocurrency, unless you have a strongly authenticated uh, valid ID. At the same time, all of the information in the distributed ledger is actually completely private and opaque unless you're one of the participants inside of the transaction, what we call the transaction circle, which is just the folks that are actually in the transaction itself. So the way that we've designed this cryptocurrency really reflects the fact that if you're moving folks into moving money either globally or just down the street, there's a whole set of rules and regulations that they've got to adhere to. And we built this cryptocurrency from the ground up for the telecommunications industry to reflect that reality. So when you're in the transaction circle, so you said everything is visible if you're in the transaction circle. Um, and the, the way that you keep that from being hacked is just by having it heavily authenticated in other areas in order to get to the circle, right? 
Well, that, and we also use a lot of post-quantum secure encryption. And mm. the type of post-quantum secure encryption that we use is called identity-based crypto. So one of the tricks that we do is if you think about how in Bitcoin, as an example, Bitcoin public and private keys are just represented by, you know, long literal strings of, uh, of uh, alphanumeric characters. Um, so that really doesn't tell you a lot about actually who's behind the uh, private key uh, and who's receiving the money vis-a-vis uh public keys on the distributed ledger but with credo coin we're able to do is actually utilize something called identity-based crypto which means that your mobile number or an identifier out of your imei or sim um, can actually be used as the key itself uh, when you're um, doing digital signatures on a distributed ledger application so there's a lot of tricks that we've actually put into the construction and architecture of this cryptocurrency to make sure that those things that I'm telling you in in, uh, in respect of its capabilities, A, being able to make sure that anybody outside the transaction circle can't view the information inside the transaction circle, that's how we make these things a reality. We're really pushing the envelope in terms of um, what uh, has been the state of the art in cryptography so far, particularly with cryptocurrency. Absolutely. So. Going back to your example of sending money to your mom across borders and trans, trans, transitioning it from pounds to dollars, um, if I want to use your service, how would I go about it? Would I have Simply to like, first purchase crypto of my own and go from there? Um, yeah, the way so there'll be an open source cryptocurrency client, but um, and you'll be able to uh, fund that cryptocurrency by going on to a cryptocurrency exchange. Uh, and we are in talks with a, a few of them so that when it comes out, um, there'll be a, a, an immediate source of liquidity. But there'll also be a way to, Credo, the company, will enable telecoms, and this is really what our business plan is, is to uh, run those cryptocurrency deployments at telecom scale and then tether mobile clients to those cryptocurrency clients. So in effect, one of the things that we're hoping for is that while the cryptocurrency enthusiasts and the cryptocurrency community at large could always use a thick client version of Credo Coin, the take-up will be by telecoms who will white-label the mobile version of Credo, uh, Credo Coin and roll that out to their customers under their own brand. So that if you're on Vodafone, or let's say I'm, I'm on Vodafone as an example, I can download Vodapay or VPay, let's say, let's say Vodafone calls it that, and that will easily uh, and uh, already have a direct debit relationship with my bank account, which they do and most, most folks do because you've got a contractual relationship with your telecom provider. And then I'll be able to utilize that Vodafone Pay application with any telco that actually can support Credo Coin. They can white label the uh, Credo Coin mobile client as their own, roll it out, and it'll be interoperable among telecommunication providers, just like the SS7 network is interoperable among telecommunication providers that enables you to send SMSs to anybody you want globally, regardless of what carrier they're on or what continent they're on. And we see the same and want the same vision for CredoCoin. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think I'm following you. <laughs> it's uh, okay. it's quite, it's a big, it seems like it's something it's that needs big, to already have existed. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. You know, it's and and that's why we think there's a very good shot of this succeeding is because we're filling a, a hole in the market that really should have been filled quite a while ago. It's just that the the telecoms have really never focused on getting into the financial services space. Um, where we're seeing telecoms move generally as a direction globally is that they are moving into financial services because the competition among core voice and data is really uh, meant that without expanding into different markets, their average revenue per user is declining and their margins are declining in those core voice and data segments. So we see this as something that they will definitely do. Um, we hope we're the ones that they do it with. Of course. And when you think about the reliance of the average person on their phone, you know, I do everything on my phone. And why can't I also do my crypto yeah. on my phone? <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's really kind of become everybody's center of their universe, at least in the first world, and, and certainly to a, a huge extent in the third world, where a lot of folks don't have access to banking services. And I should say one of the one of the places that we have, have seen this take off in terms of uh, mobile financial services has been in the first world, with you know the massive rise of M-Pesa, as an example, in India and in parts of Africa. So this model does work. But what we're talking about doing is making this model work on a very large global scale through the entire class of telecoms uh, on every continent, just like the SS7 network did 30, 25 years ago, which enables you to send SMSs globally. We see CredoCoin as being that neutral third-party payment rail that enables telecom customers to send money globally. Absolutely. And for people who don't have access to, say, a smartphone, um, there can be probably in the future ways that you could implement, uh, you know, Hangouts or maybe WhatsApp into this payment option if they could work together with the SMSs. Yeah, I mean, that's it's what what we intend on doing is making sure that there's a, a huge full suite of APIs for third-party integrations and add-ons. So for every Credo Coin client that out is out there, there's a really, really easy way to extend that into other applications. So if you think about kind of the the impact of that statement, um, think about Bitcoin as an example, like the Bitcoin full client. There's no way to actually run the full Bitcoin client in the cloud managed by like a cloud application like Kubernetes or you know Docker management applications, right? You just can't do it because it was never built for that kind of thing. Whereas CredoCoin, we're paying attention to all of that to make sure that it, it can be easily extended to inside applications, like you said, like Hangouts. Um, and it can also be managed in the cloud at telecom scale by things like AWS uh, uh, Manager, as an example. Absolutely. So how did you get involved with all of this? Uh, well... Uh, sadly, uh, I'm not sure if it's sadly or not, but um, I've actually, all I've been doing for the last 25 years has been crypto. Um, I'm like probably one of the few guys you'll ever meet that's actually been in the crypto industry since uh, since I was an adult, basically when I came out of, out of school. Um, and I'm going to date myself here really badly, but when I came out of school, I ended up working for 
a tiny little company in, in Silicon Valley called RSA Data Security. And at the time, it was a tiny little company. And then um, when I left several years later, it was a much bigger company with you know, thousands of people working there. Uh, but that was really the only place that in, in kind of that niche market and in, in right, I really like the year before Netscape took off. If you remember Netscape, um, they were the guys who had the first web server. And I guess I would call that era like, you know, crypto, uh, crypto worldwide launch, you know, era number one, which is when um, crypto became really, really important sort of for the first time amongst the consumer class and not in you know, places like defense and intelligence. Uh, when crypto, the RSA algorithm got implemented into the Netscape web server, because then for the first time you could encrypt a credit card number and set it from your browser to a web server and boom, online shopping was. So I was lucky enough to come into the crypto industry right at that point, And I've just sort of stayed here ever since. Um, the era that I think that we're in now, which is sort of, you know, this crypto worldwide phenomenon um, phase two is much bigger uh, than sort of the online shopping boom that, that predated it. And I think is going to has the potential to really redefine society as we know it. I'm, I'm that big of a believer in distributed ledger applications. I'm going to take your word for it since you've basically been there from the infancy of of it all i have i have <laughs> for better for worse whatever that means <laughs> so this must be a very exciting time for you having seen it from from the beginning until now and just seeing where it can go and all the potential and possibilities out there yeah it definitely is i think um you know, the crypto industry, for a good reason, has to move a lot slower than other industries in terms of the kind of crypto that gets implemented into the plumbing that goes to secure the Internet, as an example. I mean, crypto is kind of like wine, you know what I mean? It, it, You can't, when you write an algorithm, you can't just rush it out into production. It's got to be peer-reviewed. Other mathematicians have to try and beat on it and break it. Um, and that takes a while. Uh, but what we're seeing now is a, is a real bloom in, in um, a lot of advancements in the state of the art around cryptocurrency protocols and quantum uh, encryption protocols that I think um, once we have an underlying basis that uh, essentially has uh, proved the security of a, a, a type of encryption, you know, and, and as an example, like lattices that are being uh, developed for quantum security and isogeny, which is um, isogeny-based crypto, which is another form of cryptography that attempts to, to mimic kind of the advancements that we get through identity-based crypto, but put it into a quantum environment. These types of things are really taking off fast. So um, the amount of people that are in the industry now, the amount of brain power that's going into all of this, the amount of people that um, actually know what crypto is worldwide, um, it's all really, really stunning um, development, which is, you know, really, really exciting for somebody who's been in the industry for 25 years. And, you know, for the first 15 years of that 25, I couldn't explain to my parents what I did for a living. So, um <laughs> 
now they finally it's oh we get it now you know cryptocurrency so it seems like everybody's at least knows what a public private key is and um that's kind of a start so hey we're getting somewhere no this is i mean this is such a such an interesting time what do you think that just in your experience i guess you're one of the most passionate people about this just being in the trenches with it for so long do you foresee cryptocurrencies taking over our regular currencies do you see like a world cryptocurrency on the horizon um i think uh i don't know if the bank of england is going to swap out the pound for a cryptocurrency <laughs> version of the pound anytime soon um but i can certainly see small cap stocks going away to be a thing of the past and those being regulated by some sort of you know, distributed ledger thing that you know will handle um, all different types of transactions. Uh, and in terms of smaller countries issuing a um, their own currency vis-a-vis -vis, uh, crypto, I can definitely see that happening. You've heard a lot of you know noises that Estonia is making. I think one of the one of the things that has to get solved for real main street acceptance which everybody knows are things you know in terms of the transaction times that um that are just too slow to compete with things like visa which is part of what we're fixing in credo coin validated identities va strongly validated multi-factor identities have to be um a part of a, any cryptocurrency design for it to really meet re main street approval and it's got to fit within a regulatory environment. I really appreciate that, you know, the guys at Monero have um, created a cryptocurrency that allows, you know, the libertarian world at large to buy drugs on the dark net anonymously. That's awesome. <laughs> but that is not going to actually hit Main Street acceptance. It's going to remain a small little niche. And for really cryptocurrencies to achieve um, their potential, we have to really work in an adult context. And that's kind of what I'm also hoping to um, facilitate and, and help to usher in this next era. Uh, because I, I really am passionately believe that unless we kind of, as an industry, get with the program and um, be our own best innovators in terms of making sure that we can, you know, comply with things like anti-money laundering and know your customer environment conditions, then um, you know, cryptocurrencies won't reach the potential that they have um, to really change the world at large. So I'm hoping that we can really help push this along in that capacity. Brian, you have just shared with us so much wisdom. Thank you so much. Uh, my pleasure. Anytime. Um, and thank you for having me on. Of course, of course. And so, Brian, um, we can get you to you by credo.com, which is Q-R-E-D-O.com. Is that correct? That's it. And then our cryptocurrency is called Credo Coin, Q-R-E-D-O-C-O-I-N dot org. Wonderful, Brian. Thank you so much again, and we'll hope to talk to you soon. Okay. Cheers. Have a good one. Cheers. This has been Julia Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. 
As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. <laughs>